I bet you didn't know this. The third leading cause of workplace death behind falls in roadway collisions with other vehicles is homicide. What a startling statistic. Hello, I'm Dr. Carol Eisen Barnes, leadership and change consultant and owner of Experience Leadership. And I welcome you to the Career Couch with Dr. Carol and Friends, where our goal is to support you in your career and reaching your full potential. I am your podcast host and my guest and friend today is Chris Bush. We're talking about the topic of understanding workplace violence today. And I want to thank you, Chris, for taking the time to join the podcast to discuss a problem in the workplace that has been increasing in a not so good way. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Chris, first of all, your security background is incredible. All right. You have so much depth in your background. I'm very impressed. So let me just get that right out the way. Listeners, along with her degree in criminal justice and social science, which I know comes in handy when you're trying to read people during those investigations, she has decades of experience, 35 years worth to be exact in security management, specifically in forensics, homeland security, nuclear operations, and security programs management in commercial, civilian, and government environments. She's a certified law enforcement officer through South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which some of you may know as SLED. She is currently a staff sergeant with the Aiken County Sheriff's Office Reserves, where she has responsibilities for agency reserve deputy sheriffs. She's a licensed private investigator with the Louisiana State Board of Private Investigator Examiners. And as if she has time to do anything else, she balances all of this with the role of president and owner of her consulting firm, Blue Line Security Services. She is a sought-after consultant on workplace violence, and she often works with organizations to manage or prevent workplace incidences. Chris, I also love your passion and your enthusiasm for your work. So I've really been looking forward to this conversation with you. And I know you and I were introduced a while back by a mutual friend, and we have since had detailed conversation about workplace violence. And I thought the conversation was so important and so rich that we needed to share it with the podcast listeners. And I know we've come close to working with each other, but it hasn't happened yet. But hopefully we'll have some future collaborations somewhere down the road. But let's just go right ahead and jump into this conversation because I know it's just going to be a very in-depth conversation. Uh, First and foremost, just so we're all at ground zero, how do you define workplace violence? Uh, Well, Carol, again, thanks for having me. When most folks think about workplace violence, they think about physical interaction. Workplace violence is not about physical, just physical. It's actually the threat of that physical violence, harassment, intimidation, or other threatening behavior that will cause a reasonable person to fear for their safety and well-being. And that usually occurs at the workplace. It's, I'm glad you said that because that was actually one of my questions. You know, does it can it be a threat if someone threatens you on the job? That is considered workplace violence as well, is what I hear you saying. 
Uh, correct. And and sometimes it all depends on the act itself, because there are so many different variations of what people and organizations, especially depending on where you work, what constitutes workplace violence. Some uh, organizations may have it in their plan if they have a plan or a policy or a program for workplace violence to where they have a checklist. And on that checklist, it'll say, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? If those check marks are satisfied based on their written plan, whatever it is for that organization, then the criteria for workplace violence has been met. If not, they may deem it just to be a term that some have used as inappropriate behavior and inappropriate conduct in the workplace, which is totally different from saying this is workplace violence. Now, you talked about a a checklist on the job. I don't ever recall seeing in any of my places of employment any checklist or or any documentation about workplace violence. Is this a commonly discussed? It is. One of the things that I've seen, and this was uh, more recent, is if the organization is trying to determine whether it actually occurred, because you and I both know nobody wants to say, hey, we have workplace violence going on in our organization or at our company. So there are different caveats that they might use to, you know, make it not look so bad or not appear to be so bad. And in some cases, it it all depends on where it is and what jurisdiction it is. It could be a crime. A lot of organizations that I've had dealings with, they don't have a workplace violence program. They don't have a workplace violence policy or plan. They basically say if this person threatened this person, then call 911 and the local uh, law enforcement authorities show up. So what are some of the more common types of workplace violence in the U.S., for example, that you are aware of today? I know you talked about verbal threats, but what are some of the more common types? Most of them start, and you can tell because they they range from just the threats and the verbal abuse. If somebody threatened you and say, I'll shoot you in the face or something like that, and half the time they're Joking, And they say, well, we were just kidding around where some companies have policies in place where they don't allow you to kid around like that. They don't allow horseplay. They don't allow you to say, well, we were just funning, you know, or something like that. If you use words like that and it causes a reasonable person to fear for their safety and their well-being, in my opinion, that's workplace violence. Now, but how, how you handle that is is up to your human resources folks and up to the person that's actually doing the investigation to say whether workplace violence occurred. What are some of the warning signs that someone may be violent in the workplace? Looking at the statistics and from everything that I've reviewed and in my past experience, Take, for instance, you have a guy and this guy is so angry that he's standing there shaking and he's visibly shaking from head to toe. He's clenching his fist. You know, he's throwing things. He's muttering under his breath. He may even leave a note or something on somebody's desk that says you're next. 
or something like that. They could be shoving. They could be hitting, slamming doors. Those are all warning signs of potential workplace violence. As you were you were speaking, I, in my mind, I was thinking aggression. Yes. And just because someone is a, has aggression, is that reason to be concerned? Yes, it is. Those are all warning signs, as I call them. But don't get me wrong. There have been cases where the workplace violence uh, perpetrator was not aggressive, that they were very, very low key. You know, it was one of those, you know, sneak up on you type things. And I'm going to get them. It just happened. And, you know, most folks would think quiet folks, that person would never I mean, you see it on the news all the time when something happens. They'll say, well, I never thought Fred over there was that kind of guy. What Fred got fed up. And that was the result. I know, obviously, that we were going to be talking about this topic today. And I kind of went back in my mind in terms of had I ever really witnessed a workplace violence, like physical violence. And I cannot say that I have. Obviously, I've heard scenarios where there were threats. But based on your experience, what would be the worst case scenario that you have personally witnessed? In response to a law enforcement call, it was actually a stabbing. And and the stabbing uh, involved, again, uh, two uh, two co-workers where, you know, one had, again, got fed up with nothing been done about an employee that had been bullying this particular guy the perpetrator, as it were, and he had did everything right in his mind. He had reported everything and everybody in that particular group at that plant recognized this guy for a jokester. And that didn't change when he became a manager. But as the jokes and the pranks continued, because think about it, pranks, horseplay, joking around, all of that, all of those are signs of potential workplace violence. And that's that's where this went, because once this guy ate this guy's sandwich as a joke and this guy's work, you know, eight hours of his shift and he goes to get his lunch and it's gone. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to take care of this myself because the higher ups didn't do anything about it. It sounds like there was some pent up anger there. Probably more more than likely. And I mean, it had been going on a while. So when you when you look at the people that you're supposed to be looking to help you and the organization have a duty and obligation by law to make sure that the workplace is safe for you and for everybody that work there. When they fail to do that, they open themselves up for potential lawsuits and, you know, and for stuff like this to happen. And then then when it happens and you talk with the folks there, you know, when you go in and you say, well, did you see this coming? Well, everybody knew he was like that, you know, so to me, you're accepting that risk. When you say, well, we knew Fred was like that, but Fred would fuss today and tomorrow he was your best friend. Those are warning signs. That's what I call a clue. On the other side of this, are there some workers who are more at risk than others in being harmed? 
I believe, you know, based on what I do as a law enforcement officer and the fact that we deal with people that are unstable and have a criminal background and along with those folks and healthcare workers, I would say those are number one and number two in my book are at very high risk, along with the people that work late at night and handle money. We find that those folks are right running a close third with us. I did read somewhere that employees in health care, number one, right. number one targets. Why is that? I would say, and you're talking about nurses. Yes. And for, yeah, nurses for one, because they are, they have a heavy workload. They are being abused not only by and I wouldn't say the system, but they are overworked as it is. And when you have that much stress on you and you're trying to go in there to do your job, it's the same thing with us. You got those patients there that are demanding things and you're there as a healthcare provider. I'm there to protect and serve. So I can't respond back to you like I want to. I have to respond back to you like I'm trained. Even though the numbers are high for healthcare workers and law enforcement officers, I would say those numbers are grossly underreported because people just, you know, they don't report. Is it still considered workplace violence if the event occurs offsite? So let's say, for example, it's a team outing. There's a threat during the team outing or there's a physical altercation during the team outing. Is that still considered workplace violence? I look at that question like this. You remember when we used to go to school and you get into an argument with one of your schoolmates and you know that if you had a fight on school property on the school bus, you were going to get suspended. Mm-hmm. So you say, I'll meet you at the school. I'll meet you at the park. I'll meet you on the corner. Well, because you knew you couldn't get suspended for fighting on the corner or in the park. Actually, so, I, did, I didn't know that. I, I never really had a fight in school. So you ha- you no, did? No, oh, wow. No. Were you? <laughs> you were lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I live I would in just the run. South. I would just run. <laughs> yeah, I live in the South. So, but I look at it like that. So if those people, if they went to, Car- say, for instance, there's a place here called Carolina Barbecue. And if the team went to Carolina Barbecue, for lunch and they got into a verbal altercation that escalated to workplace violence, that's off site. That's off from the plant. That's away from the facility. It would be up to whoever to press charges with the local law enforcement authorities. Now, mind you, that would still be something that I would document, especially if you are on the clock. Mm-hmm. If you just go into the, uh, say, the heart walk, we have a lot of stuff, you know, uh, around town where people volunteer to go to the heart walk and you decide you're going to run in a marathon for that. And y'all going as teammates, but it's not really work related as it were. But it, that would be different if you go in on a work outing and it's at your 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock lunch period, you're still being paid. So you, I would have an issue with that. I would document that as the manager, I would document that that happened away from the facility, away from the plant. And 
that these two people were involved in whatever it was, local law enforcement had to be called. And I would work it from that angle. That's interesting because that is not what I expected you to say. Yes. Yeah. I thought for sure that you were going to say it is still workplace violence at the team outing that is off campus somewhere. Now that's assault. That's a crime. Because if I'm the person that's assaulted, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, I'm at this outing. I was probably made to go to the outing as an employee and participate. The other person was probably made to attend this outing and participate. And so I'm on the employer's time and I'm getting paid while I'm at this outing. So to me, that's an employer sponsored event and it's a liability for the employer if someone harms me at this event. Now, that's just what I would have thought. Yeah, but workplace workplace violence is something that occurs at the work site. I so you would have to actually physically be at Busy Bee, you know, if that's where all you guys worked. I did not know that. Wow. Yes. Okay. Another thing, and you touched on this a little bit, was related to the underreporting of workplace injuries. And in 2014, the American Journal of Industrial Medicine published a report and they found that 90 percent of surveyed organizations were not complying with the OSHA reporting regulations. And they felt that large discrepancies existed between the number of reported injuries and the number of worker compensation claims. Now, I have my suspicions on why this is the case, but what's your take on this and why does it matter if they're underreporting? You've heard that term, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yes, I believe that a lot of folks don't report or things are being underreported because they just don't know. They don't know, uh, for one thing, the true definition. And I find this everywhere I go. And, you know, when I talk to folks about workplace violence is that they don't know how to define it. They don't know where the line in the sand is drawn for what's workplace violence and what's not workplace violence. Um, The ones that do have true cases of workplace violence, they don't want to be a statistic. They don't want to wear a label that says, oh, we don't want to be known as that company that have workplace violence events. Nobody's going to, you know, put their confidence in us as a company. So they deny that it's actually a workplace violence incident until something tragic happens along the way. And then when you start talking to people, they, you know, you'll hear it, you'll see it on the news. They said, yeah, I remember the time when he did that. I remember when I think it was at the FedEx facility where one of the employees shot some of his coworkers and his ex-wife, when they interviewed her, she said for years, he said, I'm going to kill my coworkers wow. for years, but nobody took him seriously. She didn't even take him seriously. They've since divorced, they've moved on. And here it is three to five years later or whatever. And he does exactly what he had told her many years ago that he was going to do. But a lot of, you know, a lot of companies will, they'll say, well, we got 
personnel issues. You've heard that said. We got personnel issues or they got problems at home. And I tell people all the time, know your employees. Know what make that employee ticks. So when they walk in and things just don't look right, sound right, aren't right, be able to have that conversation with them and say, is everything okay? Because, you know, you just not acting yourself today. Because hindsight is twenty twenty. You can talk to everybody that's a witness to a workplace violence event, and they will tell you, I noticed that, but did they act on it? I tell people all the time, recognize that workplace violence is happening. If you know how to respond to it, if you can respond to it, if you're able to respond to it, do that. Then tell somebody, report it. Because you coming back saying, well, I saw him, that does nobody any good. I remember reading, this was years ago, this was at least five years ago, where they had a case where this young man was stealing beer from a beer distributor, Budweiser, whatever he worked for. And he was selling kegs to college students. They did an internal investigation and they realized what he was doing. He, somebody tipped them off and said, hey, dude, you know, they looking at you, they watching you. So he knew he was going to get fired. He knew that he'd probably do some jail time. He came in the next day with his lunchbox. Unbeknownst to anybody there, he had a weapon in his lunchbox. They called him in at two o'clock in the afternoon. The owner of the company the president of the company, HR, his manager. It was like maybe eight to 10 people sitting around that table. One young man in HR was his first day, his mm-hmm. first day. And he was he he was there to see how a termination hearing went. When they bought the young man in, one of the survivors said, I thought it was odd that he was carrying his lunchbox. Mm. OK, clue number one, right? Right. He came in. They told him why he was there. They told him he was going to be terminated for what he had done. You know, misappropriation of the beer, basically stealing. And he they asked him if he had anything to say. He said, this is what I had to say. He pulled a gun out and immediately started shooting everybody around the table. I don't recall how many people were killed, but I remember the owner the president of the company was killed. The HR manager was killed. And so was a young man whose first day it was. That's terrible. That's what stuck with me. So when you have something like that, don't think don't think that this person is just going to come in there. You think in their safety and numbers have an out. When I went through active shooter training with the sheriff's office, one of the things they actually told us was you never, it's three things they call, you know, it's fight or flight is what that person is going to try to do. Are you going to run, hide, or fight when it comes to active shooters? If you don't leave yourself uh, out or plan to say, if things go sideways here, this is what we're going to do. They wasn't thinking about that when they went in that room. Their their purpose was disciplinary. They had no idea that this young man was going to react the way he did. 
But in hindsight, you got all these people saying, well, I remember this and I remember that. So the key is reckon, recognizing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the signs. Yeah. Well, wow, that's a terrible, that's a terrible story. And, you know, I didn't think of it in terms of my initial thought, let me say this was not in terms of underreporting was not in terms of reputational damage. That was not my initial thought. My initial thought was really around the cost because, you know, I've seen research that says the estimated cost of workplace violence to U.S. businesses is $36 billion a year. And that includes the cost of medical, psychiatric care, lost business, productivity, repairs, cleanups, higher insurance rates, mm-hmm. increased security costs, the loss of valuable employees, OSHA right. fines. And so I went more on the financial, really, and productivity end of this and definitely the reputation of the organization comes into play because if I heard that story, I I wouldn't want to apply for a position at the company, you know, that you just described. I would be afraid to, to be honest with you. And Mm -hmm. I would be worried about what is the culture in that organization if, you know, am I going to be safe if I go in there? Right. And that, and that's the reason why I think a lot of companies don't report it because of that very reason. And you got to spend the money to educate your folks. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, y'all are really, really heavy on the safety side, you know, industrial safety, PPEs, safety glasses, earplugs. You have these meetings. You got all these posters around. Don't step on um, in a, a wet spot, get a mop, clean that up type thing. But safety in the workplace goes beyond the hazards there. It also should be looking at workplace violence. Well, I'm glad you, you shared this. I mean, this is really a very serious topic, especially when you realize that so many employees are injured as a result of workplace violence every year. And I think it's somewhere like around 2 million are injured each year as a result of workplace violence incidences. And so, Chris, your expertise on this topic, it's insightful. It sheds light on issues. Many of us really never thought about unless you've actually witnessed it or you've experienced it. So I want to thank you for being here today. And I'm glad that you're returning next week where we're going to address what the organizations and what the employees can do to prevent such instances and reduce the number of violent incidences in the workplace. Is there anything that you want to add before we conclude the podcast? No, just thank you for having me and uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about something that I love. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's been an eye opener for me. And thank you for tuning in to the Career Couch with Dr. Carol and friends. And I hope that you return with us next week where we continue with security expert Chris Bush, where we're going to talk about how to prevent some of these issues from happening. Thank you and have a wonderful day. 